Welcome to the First Ballot Hall of Fame podcast, proudly brought to you by The Ball is Life Podcast Network, still available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts here at First Ballot. We celebrate the moments in sports that really matter and decide if they're good enough for the First Ballot Hall of Fame. This is our first episode of season two. And we're doing it big. At the top of every episode, we tell you the story behind our moment. And today's moment is when Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone went one-on-one in the squared circle at 1998's WCW Bash at the Beach. Robbie, my editor, make this thing echo Bash at the Beach. But the story behind this moment and how it affected the 1998 NBA Finals is out. Rageous. One year earlier, on a March 10th, 1997 broadcast of WCW Nitro, Dennis Keith the Worm Rodman was named the newest member of the NWO, the New World Order, by none other than Hollywood Hulk Hogan himself. The newest member of the NWO, Big Brah, NWO, man. It's your style for life, my friend. We can do a double team, triple team, but the NWO is the new team of the future. Sweet. It was on that day Dennis Rodman joined the NWO. It was on that day that Hot Rod, Dirty Dennis Rodzilla, was born. Six days later, after that announcement, Rodman would appear ringside at WCW Uncensored and help his new Wolfpack teammates obliterate Team WCW and Team Rowdy Roddy Piper in the main event. Two days after that main event, on March 18, 1997, Dennis Rodman and the Bulls faced the defending Western Conference champion Seattle Supersonics. Rodman had two points, two assists, one steal, and 17 rebounds in 38 and a half minutes of play. Sean Kemp held the 16 points. Incredible. Dennis Rodman, truly one of one. This was the first time Dennis Rodman's wrestling career interjected with his day job of playing in the National Basketball Association. But it would not be the last. Here's a quick aside. Rob, add a record scratch, stop the music. On March 27, 1997, the New York Times published a story saying Dennis Rodman would miss the Bulls' final 13 games of the 1997 season due to a sprained MCL in his left knee. Hmm. Sprained MCL. An injury that would not show up on an MRI. Okay. Anything else happened around that time for Dennis Rodman? Oh, would you look at that? Four days later after his injury, Dennis Rodman and Hulk Hogan, I might add, appeared on the red carpet for the Hollywood world premiere of Double Team, the action film starring Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. Now, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I personally just think it was perfect timing for Dennis to be able to promote his new movie and then come back just in time for the NBA playoffs. I also really appreciate that Rodman wore a knee brace for the first round against the Bullets, but then abandoned it for the rest of the run. The Bulls, of course, won the title in 97, their fifth total, and Rodman's fourth over his career. All right, Robbie, back to the music and back to our moment. It's June of 1998. The Chicago Bulls are again back in the NBA Finals, again facing the Utah Jazz. Chicago split the first two games in Salt Lake City before blowing out Utah by 42 points in Game 3. With home court advantage, a 2-1 series lead and practice the following day, 
Dennis Rodman disappeared. Here's the Bulls head coach, Phil Jackson. Is it like true that Dennis wasn't at practice today? That's true. Is that an excuse to him? No, it's not. What, what's, what transpired? I don't know. He's not here. So Rodman goes AWOL. He misses practice during the NBA Finals on March 8th, 1998. Anything else happen on Monday nights during the late 90s? Dennis Rodman vanished from the Chicago Bulls during the NBA Finals and appeared live on WCW Nitro in Auburn Hills, Michigan to begin promoting a new pro wrestling storyline that would eventually lead to that July 12th bash at the beach. And who would Hogan and Rodman face in the main event? Well, during the same 1998 NBA season, Diamond Dallas Page, DDP, Former world champion professional wrestler himself attended a Utah Jazz game where he met Carl the Mailman Malone. There, Carl professes his lifelong love for professional wrestling and DDP counters by suggesting they team up someday. All of a sudden, you've got Hulk Hogan and DDP teaming up with Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman, two men who had just faced each other twice in the last two NBA Finals. Imagine Jokic and Anthony Davis getting together to wrestle at WrestleMania this year. That's the parallel. I think we've got ourselves a main event. Ding, ding. While Carl Malone and Hulk Hogan are locked in the middle of the ring, Dennis Rodman runs in, hits Malone with a double axe handle, which you all know can be terribly painful. Rodman then threw Malone into Hulk Hogan's boot. That's a real sentence. But at the peak of the match, Carl Malone clotheslined Hulk Hogan twice. Then he clotheslined Dennis Rodman before body slamming Hulk Hogan and then body slamming Rodman after that. There's a point where Carl grabs Dennis and Hulk by their heads and bangs them together. This is entertainment, folks. Carl tags DDP, who looks to finish off Hogan with his patented finishing move, the Diamond Cutter. But as DDP goes to pin Hogan, Rodman scurries into the ring to break it up. But just then, two-time NBA MVP Carl Malone does the same. He enters the ring and hits Rodman with his own diamond cutter. It's Bedlam in the ring. Lights out for Hogan. Lights out for Rodman. But just then, Carl Malone makes a devastating rookie mistake. The mailman looks to pin Rodman to end the match, but he's not the legal man in the ring. The referee, who's just doing his best out there, tries to explain that to Malone, but as he does, distracted, an NWO Wolfpack member by the name of The Disciple runs into the ring, hits DDP with his own finishing move, The Apocalypse, rolls Hogan on top of Page, and leaves the ring unnoticed. One, two, three, that's the match, and this is First Ballot.
Welcome back to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I am your host, Neil, the long-lost Gasol brother, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, Mr. Never Wrong, coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal Office Depot Big and Tall Executive Suite Desk Chair in my basement. Today's episode of the First Ballot Hall of Fame podcast could be sponsored by Ball is Life. We're proud to be on the Ball is Life podcast network. I asked the guys at Ball is Life, how do you want me to sort of plug the, sh- the, the network and the company? And they were like, don't even worry about it. Just do your show. I want you to know that I really appreciate the Ball is Life team. I'm proud to be with them. Everybody go follow Ball is Life on all social handles at Ball is Life. It's fantastic content. They've got a lot of great podcasts. We're now one of them proudly. Go follow Ball is Life. Listen, Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone facing off at the 1998 WCW Bash at the Beach is undoubtedly a great sports moment. But is it a first ballot Hall of Famer? That's a different bar to clear. And here with me today to decide that question are two very special guests. The first is a producer, writer, showrunner on series such as Dark Side of the Ring, Uncommon Sense with Charlemagne the God, WWE SmackDown, and Big Morning Buzz Live. Take it away, Stone Cold E.T. Oh, hell yeah! He was also the co-executive producer on Open Late with Peter Rosenberg. It's Philadelphia's finest, the great connector, Mr. Andrew Goldstein. Neil, I love this. I love being on this show with you. I know know, how much you... Shut up. Shut up, Andrew. We have another guest. Our second guest today... (laughs) Made his name at the illustrious Hot 97, where he currently hosts the Daily Morning Show, Ebro in the Morning. He can also be heard and seen in the afternoon as a co-host on the Michael K. Show on ESPN. Or maybe you know our next guest from one of his successful podcasts, Cheap Heat, the pro wrestling podcast on the Ringer Network, or Juan Epstein, his cult favorite hip-hop podcast. He's been all over your television, his talent with the WWE, but most importantly, he is the one-time WWE 24-7 champion. It's the prodigious, the major-talented Mr. Peter Rosenberg. Happy to be here. Thank you. Holy Beautiful shit, intro. Guys. Holy shit. Uh, how do you guys know each other? Why are you both on this show? How do you guys know each other? Uh, well, what's crazy is when I was at WWE in 2006, uh, I started getting AIM messages from somebody named Peter Rosenberg because, uh, it was actually from real PMD five, real PMD five. Uh, we, Peter's older brother was in the same fraternity as my very good friend and our very good friend, uh, as our very good friend's older brother. And they got to talking and were like, oh, my brother loves wrestling. Oh, you do? Because my brother's friend really loves wrestling and works for Amazing. WWE. And they connected us in that sort of early 2000s way. And I just started getting these AIM messages from Peter as I was on the road for WWE. And he's like asking me wrestling question, this and that. He's like, I'm moving to New York. I'm going to take over overnights. And I was like, yeah, right. This fucking guy. And <laughs> yeah, then he enough. moves to New York and he takes over overnights. And then he takes over the morning unbelievable but we were like uh, and then we just we just became buds um regardless andrew i want to eventually i'm going to start cutting you off and letting peter talk but how (laughs) early in your career are you working at wwe 
Way too early. That's the answer I always give. 2006, I was in my 20s. I always say, I've said it on every podcast I've ever given talking about my time at WWE. Got that job way too early in my career. Had not enough confidence to do the producing side of it and sort of talk to these guys and talk to Vince and sort of, you know, uh, navigate the the shark infested waters. I feel like if I got my, that job in my thirties, I I would have crushed it. Uh, instead I was there for a little less than a year and got fired. (laughs) How did that happen? How did, how did you get fired? Oh my God. I made so many mistakes. Are you kidding me? Well, what do they say to you? They they said, well, I went up there once and I walked into that like all black glass building. And I swear, uh, as God is my witness, the first guy I see walk through the lobby of that building is in tattered jean shorts and a shirt with no sleeves. He's he's a, made out of concrete. He's huge. And I'm like, this is like a real office building with like just wrestlers walking through it. What is it like to get that, fired at the WWE? That was always the dream was like, oh, you're going to be in Titan Tower. You just go in the elevator and it's like, oh, hey, Kamala, how are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, what floor? Um, uh, it was like straight up corporate, dude. I got back off the road from a Raw and a SmackDown. And I was in the writer's room breaking story for the next week. And they called me into HR with Michael P.S. Hayes um, sitting next to the HR lady. And uh, they told me they weren't renewing my, they weren't going to give me my next 13 weeks. So, um, you know, uh, the story I always tell is that the, la- the, the first renewal, uh, Michael called me into his office and he goes, well, it's not like I'm running down to HR telling him we need to keep this kid, but <laughs> you're good. I love that. You're good for now. I love the voice work so far. The voice work is really well. Great. Do you are you secretly mad that Peter now works with WWE? And no, I live vicariously like through my brother Peter. Uh, could not be more proud of uh, his accomplishments and and the fact that he is inner circle. It's basically Vince. Inner circle of Jay. It's Vince. To, uh, it's Vince, Nick Khan, Triple H, Peter, Bruce, Stephanie, Bruce. It's kind of the hierarchy. <laughs> That's how it goes. SGG. Pete, was it always a dream of yours to to? to well, I mean, well, let's. I'll go back even further. What was your dream growing up? What were you like? Well, this is your my dream job. This is the thing I want to do. <laughs> well. I'll say this. I I regularly say I like say it was this. You know, this is my dream. You know, what my dream would be. I say way too much. Um, in some ways, I think it's probably charming and endearing that I say it all the time. In other ways, it's like if you say everything's your dream, at some point you're lying, and <laughs> you're never allowing yourself to sort of enjoy what you're doing because you're like, well, that's not my dream. My dream right. is. Right. Um, but yes, WWE was. On the list, uh, not as like a little kid, because I don't think I understood necessarily what I would have wanted to do. I just mm-hmm. loved it. Mm-hmm. But uh, in 2005 or so, I got back into wrestling after like missing the best period in the history of wrestling. I got in just after that, because who wanted to be there for the Attitude Era when you could get in for ruthless aggression? <laughs> um, and so that's kind of what I, I, I got back into it in a real way. And it's actually really funny because uh, for some reason I was looking through old emails recently. I've been searching like through my Gmail because it goes back like 16, 17 years mm-hmm. to be like, what the fuck have I been saying for the last 17 years? And dude, uh, Andrew, I didn't even tell you this. When I when I searched through my email, I found 
emails I sent to Michael Cole, emails I sent to Stephanie McMahon. Wow, email. I mean, Stephanie, of course, didn't write back. I was figuring out her email address and just sending it. <laughs> Cole and I did have some level of a relationship, but I mean, I was begging. I was begging to get in, begging. I did everything I could. I went through the HR process once, trying to be a writer, a writer assist, a writer's assistant, or whatever. So at that point in the the 0506 part of my life, which is my early 20s, yes, it became like a dream. And then the whole time I'm wor- working in to try to make it in radio as well, which was having its ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And when I eventually got to New York and got the hot opportunity, even though I wasn't like a big deal in in New York radio yet in any way, I had the Hot 97 mic flag. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to use that for like right. whatever I could. Right. And yeah. uh it got me pretty far, you know, got me into rooms. It, it, it definitely did that. And eventually, years later after that, and some other random fortuitous uh, connections, Jonathan Coachman played a big part in it, like random awesome. connections, I ended up getting an opportunity. Amazing. What Do you have, I love that I've already started to ice Andrew out of this podcast. I yeah, no, we can freeze. Love that. Oh, my Nobody. God. Do you? Nobody, nobody wants cares. to hear from me. Nobody cares. Well, no, do, Peter, do you? Well, more voice work. Peter, do you have a moment in your career that's this? You know, this podcast is about sports moments, big sports moments. What What is the turning point? Do you have a moment in your career up until this point that's been the biggest moment? Where after that moment, everything has been different. Not necessarily easier, but different, better. I, I realize we're not doing any video for this podcast, right? Because you guys both look like shit. Oh my. No, 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 I say that with all due respect, but I, I can like stop looking at my camera, right? I'm in a For basement sure. in Westfield, New Jersey, Peter. I yeah, like I'm, I'm. Can I just switch to my regular FaceTime <laughs> oh camera? God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm giving you guys like my pro look for no reason. This is a total, a total waste of time. Like I, I don't feel like looking up. At, Leave at, all this in, Rob. This is great texture, Peter. Insulting both Andrew and, and myself. Yeah, that's but I still have my good one on. Anyways, I'm trying. God, Peter, Jesus Christ! I'm trying. I'm trying to figure it out. It's not working. Anyways, um, so so one specific moment you're saying where like yeah, do you, do you have like a moment where you're like oh like for ex- I mean I don't I don't want this to be your answer, but the other question I was bouncing back and forth between is what is it like when they come and tell you you're going to win the twenty four seven championship? Do you cry? Like, is, are there moments where you go, this was like such a big thing. This was so cool being on summer jam stage for the first, like, what is, is there a moment in your career where it's like everything after that point was different? Um, no, again, that kind of goes back to that whole, like dreaming forever kind of situation mm-hmm. that it's always like, it's always getting better. Um, or you're always trying to get it better. I'm not even saying like that's like it's a good thing. I mean, in some ways, I think there's a little bit of a lack of appreciation. Right. But I have had my handful of moments where I'm like, hold on, stop, take this in. Right. Um, the 24/7 one was definitely one of them. Hold on, my dog is hacking to death. I have to open the door for him. I, I want to just add a piece to Peter's story because why not? It, it's certainly my right. Uh, no, what Peter was saying about having the Hot 97 mic flag. What I always mm-hmm. found of like. I don't know that the morning team at Hot 97 or any radio station would have opened the doors to WWE to the extent that having somebody like Peter as a daily presence would have. So like the Kofi Kingston's, the, you know, the, the John Cena's every time he's in town. I mean, Peter made the Hot 97 morning show a destination for WWE wrestlers to 
it was part of their car wash. And I think a lot of that goes to Peter being there. And that sort of raised his profile in the eyes of WWE, if I were to speculate about, um, you know, Peter's rise. I think that's a I think that's a, a a totally fair point. I appreciate yeah that 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 is definitely part of it. It's become uh, it's become a thing that they can count on, you know. And I will say, you know, and I always tell everyone like, listen, I I do a I believe I do a really great job when I'm there. But like, I'm not gonna lie, I bring a lot of other things to the table. Like I, I'm you know I I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about them on Hot 97. I'm gonna talk about them on ESPN. I mean, truth be told. I, I no no rappers were wearing wrestling T-shirts before I started wearing them they all know. the time in 2007. I mean that's just a fact. I love <laughs> I love my Smoked Izzo, Wale. No one was out there really holding up the like. I'm a wrestling fan and it's cool. Mm-hmm. Prior to me in 2007, and so it, it it all ended up eventually working. Like I said, it still took a perfect storm to sort of get there. The 24/7 thing was really cool. It was during the pandemic and. For me, I had been coming out of a, a rough couple of years. Like it had been a down, down period. Divorce, l- left WWE, really was like had to start from scratch um, in life. And then I get back with WWE. Pandemic starts. I meet an awesome woman. I'm in a relationship again. The whole world shut down, but I'm with this really cool person, and I have the one traveling job. That like I'm still doing. Like, I got to live life and right. go to Florida once a month, which I never thought I'd be so excited to go to Florida. But <laughs> once a month, it would be fucking great. And you know, Andrew, who is literally secluded in a plastic bubble, bouncing all over the suburbs of New Jersey, thinking, "Oh my God, how are you getting on a plane? Best travel ever. Empty plane, uh. first class upgrades for like seventy five dollars. <laughs> it was the fucking best, right? Like, so I enjoy these trips to Florida." I would just like chill out in a hotel for a couple of days, go to WWE, and it was awesome. And I was really grateful and proud to be back because I had been gone. Right. Um, and thank God my agent managed to get me to like not say anything stupid and be bitter and just be like, <laughs> just relax. Life is long. Take your time. And there was a, a writer there um, who who's really good. He's no longer there, just like Andrew Goldstein, a great talent lost. Um, this was probably the idea that did him in. But... A conversation was had at some point about the idea of me getting the 24-7. He thought it was a cool idea. I, of course, thought it was a fucking fantastic idea. <laughs> um, and I was like, you know, you know, when, like sometimes you have to pitch people ideas. And you're like, hey, there's nothing more unreasonable about me winning it than so many. In fact, I'm more reasonable than many other people who've already won it. Like, Absolutely. There, there was the random like football, college football host on NBC who won it for whatever. Like, this is why not? So they said, okay, it's going to happen. Told me at one pay-per-view it's going to happen. I get there. They're like, hey, not happening. We're going to try it the next one. I was like, all right, cool. I come back for the Royal Rumble. They're like, okay, the writer's coming up to me throughout the day. He's like, I think we're going to do it today. I was like, all right, cool, man. Just keep me posted. Day's going on, blah, blah, blah. Getting closer. We haven't talked about anything yet. I don't know anything. Our truth doesn't know anything. Like, I I guess it's not happening. He comes back. He's like, hey, dude, we're not going to have time to get to it in the kickoff show. I was like, oh, fuck. He's like, we're going to do it during the main show. I was like, during the actual Royal Rumble? What are you talking about? He was like, we're going to do a thing where they kick back to the desk, which we don't do anymore. They used to do that a lot during uh, pay-per-views. They'd cut to the kickoff desk and they'd say something. I just kind of like it. I think it feels very sportsy and cool, but we don't really do that anymore. So they're like, we're going to do the thing. We'll toss it back to Charlie. Um, This is before she was at Fox News. And and we're going to talk about, you know, whatever's going on. And then you and... 
our truth are going to do the, yeah. the the business. And I'm like, oh my god, okay. I've got like 90 <laughs> minutes, you know, a couple hours till this thing's happening. Best part of the day is I'm in the I, I'm in the TV locker room, which is yeah. what which is the locker room where the broadcasters are, and it's traditionally in WWE a place where veterans go because if they don't feel like being with the boys where there are 40 right. people, they go right. to the TV locker room. Right. And it's awesome. I get to be. I, I'm supposed to be there. But I just get to observe veterans talking about awesome shit. It's some of the right. coolest times I've had. I bet. And so on this day, a lot of people were there. Like I, it, oh, because it's the Rumble, because the Rumble. So it's a full, it's a full right. room. You know, right. there's more people than usual. Um, Bushwhacker and, Lucas just hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, dude, I I started asking them how to how to do the nut shot. Because that was the way I won the twenty four seven title. Was I, I hit? I could. I tricked our truth, and I hit him with a nut shot, like and a, then I was supposed to pin him, like a true heel, it's like a true heel move. And by the way, everyone kept calling it a roll up that I botched, and I said, no, no, I didn't botch a roll up. I botched a schoolboy. It's a very, that's a very different sort of pin. Okay, or no? What's it called? It's called a. Um, sorry, schoolboy is a roll up. It's called a. Um, what's the what's the pin called that I did, Andrew? When like when you just fold the legs back and hold them down. It's uh, not because they kept saying roll up. It's not a roll up. Missionary position? No. Exactly. It's more a missionary <laughs> position. I'm forgetting the actual name. It does have a name, right? Uh, besides actual sex between cradle. a couple of people. <laughs> not a cradle. Anyways, so I'm asking them all to do the nut shot. And I've got like all these people showing me. And I think they're kind of ribbing me because they're all like really taking time to show me how right, to do it. Right. And I'm like, are they just fucking with me? So like Randy Orton like gets down on the ground and is like, all right, dude. And he like pulls over MVP or something. He's like, you want to make sure. And I'm just sitting there like not even listening to what he's saying. I'm like, this is so fucking awesome, dude. Oh Randy God. Orton's literally going to be one of the greatest who's <laughs> ever done it. And he's showing me how I'm supposed to do this thing, which uh. I'm not going to be able to do. So <laughs> let's just get out there and give it a shot. We go out there. We do it. If you ever watch the video of it, I, I get nervous. It, I kind of forget my line that I'm supposed to talk. And R-Truth kind of gives me like uh, the Iggy. He's kind of like, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, here we go. It's amazing to have so much respect for what these people do and to have it go up a hundred times because yeah. I had to do one thing right. for one second. And it was the scariest thing ever. Oh. To well, not fuck that's the genius oh, of pro wrestling is they have one shot to do this. Right. There are no there are no retakes. And you're like, and and truth tells me, he's like, he was so cool. He was like, he was like, hey, don't fuck up the pin. If you fuck it up, I'm kicking out. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, fuck, <laughs> okay. He's and 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 at first, if you really watch it close, not to give everything away, but if you really watch it close, I put my hand in the wrong place, and when I put my hand in the wrong place, it it no longer becomes a realistic pin. Right. He would be able to kick out. Right. So he he put he gives me a nudge and I adjust it so it's an actual proper pin. It's 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 amazing. It's these little things it's you just lovely. don't think about that you think are yeah. unimportant, but every little thing is what creates the realism. Yeah. And I came away from it just. Re it's funny because people like kind of mock the twenty four seven title, of course, but like I came away with that whole experience. A having so much more of an understanding of what they do and how amazing it is, and also. Yo, if this is a title that people mock and think is silly, and I see yeah. how people reacted to me yeah. winning that, I can't even imagine what it'd be like to win a real title. Yeah, like no. it's, I, it was a, it was I a think big I just text, I texted Peter when it happened. I was like, bro, you're in the history book. Like that's know, that's just insane. That's crazy. And we that's like Neil. If you hit a three pointer for the Lakers <laughs> once, <laughs> I know, and then they were like, oh okay, God. enough with Neil. That is. 
That is exactly how it felt, though. Like, if they let you just, like, warm up and be a part yes. on, the, on the lineup right. card, you know? Yes. Um, it was wild. Me and SUG were looking at it recently on, a, on, the, on, a pod, on the podcast and looked at it, too. I'm, like, the 20th longest reign because I had it for a, almost yeah. a full day. Because they had Everybody to get, else has it for two seconds. They had to get I took to, it home. The whole, the whole thing was to, to, what, you lost it on the radio, right? Like, as, pro, yes. as promo. So they had to get to the next day where Peter was on air. Right. So. Oh, and by the way, that was a whole fucking thing, too. That yep. was, a, they had to come, I had to navigate the WWE production people coming to, and writers, figuring out how to do this in a way that everyone was comfortable with, and again, felt real enough. Right. Uh -huh. And also, on the other end, I have Michael Kay, the voice right. of the New York Yankees, who hosts my show, who's not into wrestling. <laughs> I need everyone to be able to coordinate right. so and like and not annoy the shit out of everybody. And I'm really the only glue that cares about everybody not being annoyed. Right. Like I have to make sure Michael's not like, Peter, we have a fucking show. We're not worried about your stupid wrestling title. And and meanwhile, we're trying to do it. And they're like, no, you can't do it that way. It's not going to be realistic. We have to do it from this angle because if he comes in that way, it wouldn't make sense. Why would he? And I'm like, oh my God. Like, we got to talk to Sal from White Plains. Can we speed this up? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it was awesome. I'm sorry that was a 10 hour answer, no, but I I as you can tell, I love it. talking about this. No, it was fun. I, I appreciate how generous you were with your time and your answer and your candor. Thank you. Uh, let's before we dive into our moment. Let's uh, quickly set the table. I need from both of you your favorite sport, your favorite team, and your favorite athlete of all time, just to establish who you are as a sports fan. Andrew, go first. I would pro as a kid, it was the Sixers, and it was Barkley. But as an adult, it's the Eagles, and I loved um, – I just love Seth, Seth Joyner. He was number 59, oh, yes. the linebacker. Oh, great he answer. also was on American Gladiators and just, like, hung on the bars for Amazing. literally, like, 15 minutes until they, they blew the whistle. Big Seth Joyner fan, number 59, on, like, the ultimate Reggie White, Jerome Brown defense. So I would say Eagles, Seth Joyner, and what was the the third question? The sport, football. Then I yeah, I would say yeah. I, I'm obsessed with the Eagles. I'm obsessed it, with the NFL draft. Peter makes fun of me. The whole deal. Is Seth Joyner was he on as a gladiator? or Was he competing? He was competing. Did he win? They had like the NFL stars. Yeah, he he won because with one arm he hung oh, on the okay. jungle gym ring oh, until they blew the whistle because Fantastic. he was just so jacked. But that dude Amazing. always made a play. When I was watching as a kid, he always made a play to keep the to keep them in it. He I love the so specificity good. of you going to to join her. That's fantastic. Peter, your answer, favorite sport, favorite team, favorite athlete of all time. Um, favorite sport uh football, favorite team Commanders, which is weird to say cuz I've <laughs> I've only rooted for them for one season, but that is my favorite team. Um Favorite athlete of all time is is very tough. The three that like sort of defined my childhood and into like adulthood were Bird, Lemieux, and Mike Tyson. Those wow. are sort of like my my like three obsessions athlete wise. Larry Bird. But, I, first off, as a Laker fan, I, I'm gonna have my editor just pluck <laughs> that name right out of this just, uh, just piece. Hey, you know what? You guys won. Right you, yeah, you but, guys won five times. We won. Peter, three, aren't right? you a huge yeah, Tiger right. Woods, Say it Mark? Again, Peter. 
I love Tiger. Tiger. So Tiger's another one. Like apparently, I just like to get into things once they're already over. Like I was Tiger. <laughs> I've only seen as a big Tiger fan. I've only seen him win the one Masters. Like I, I didn't sort of fall in love with him till his life collapsed and he seemed like a regular person. And that's like, really my awesome. favorite Tiger. He's he really. That's my favorite one version. Yeah, post collapse is 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 the best one. I like uh, car but, accident uh, Tiger. By the way, Andrew, what, what, what th- I wanted—I don't know if you do, I told you this. You know my friend Andrew Gunling, my old producer who I yeah, put you yeah, on yeah. text we, with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been introduced. Yeah, huge Eagles fan. I thought you'd like this. When he left us to go produce at Amazon, for his going away gift, and he's just like you, the most obsessed Philly fan I know uh, in the world, or you two, I gave him, I sent him the Mitchell and Ness uh, Brian Westbrook authentic as his uh, going away gift. Uh, I love you, 36. I thought I was Let's a, go. That was a pretty good friend to, yeah, to do. That. I felt pretty good about really, it. Oh, lovely. Um, let's dive into our. Oh, and then Peter, you also, by the way, you you mentioned Iron Mike. You ended up uh, hosting a podcast with with Mike, which must yes, have been it fun was the get. lesser known, unpopular, failed Mike Tyson podcast. <laughs> um, that's the one I did, but it was still awesome. Um, considering I literally had a, a dream again, another dream of like I'm going to make a documentary about Mike Tyson, and I worked on it, and I have. A whole hard drive full of footage of me trying to get to make it happen. It never happened, but then I did eventually get to like really spend a lot of time with him. I probably got to end up talking to him for you know fifteen hours, twenty hours Amazing. over the course of that podcast. So, Amazing. and also just got to have cool experiences like I smoking bet. joints, standing outside with him, and you know just being like <laughs> just having moments with him. So I'm super grateful for that too. Amazing. Uh, let's dive into our moment to decide whether the 98 Bash at the Beach, Rodman, Malone, Hogan, and DDP gets into the first belt Hall of Fame. We have to go through our Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge our moments. The first category, analytics, the stats, the numbers behind this moment. I'm going to throw some stats at you guys and some questions. Here they go. 98 Bash at the Beach, second most buys of any WCW pay-per-view ever. 580,000 buys. That's good for them. Any guess... If you guys don't know this answer, I'm going to pluck at any guess as to what the number one WCW pay-per-view was. I did some studying. It's Starcade. Uh, well, what they say, 97, something like that. Yeah, really good. This, I only, I am the worst <laughs> really with good. years and events. Everybody knows this. I'm never that guy, but I just crammed on this. Like this I, British guy did 25 minutes on Rodman and WCW, so I, I, I retain <laughs> that knowledge. I really appreciate you preparing. Are you caring about this? Hogan and Sting were the main event of that Starcade 97. That's the number one. Uh, in this 98, the other matches, Goldberg defended his uh, championship against Kurt Henning, Booker T and Bret Hart, Jericho and Rey Mysterio, Chavo Guerrero and Eddie Guerrero, also on that 98 Bash at the Beach. Uh, the match, the match, this this uh, this main event, uh, Malone and, and, and company, the match lasted 23 minutes and 43 seconds. Uh, pardon, 47 seconds. Why not just make this match a little bit shorter? We'll get to the quality of it in a bit. Why not just make it just a... T- why not lap five to ten minutes off this thing and have it be a little bit shorter and a little bit tighter? Is there an answer to Here's that? Here's your answer. W C W. I was going to say, literally, my exact answer. It's... Yeah, they, they threw as much into that match as they possibly could. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Rodman skip practice the day before game four was fined twenty thousand dollars. There's a good number. The WCW reportedly paid him two hundred fifty thousand plus the use of a private jet to get to and from Nitro. Teammate Ron Harper with the Bulls said, "Quote: I think that makes him a good businessman." Uh, game four. This is the game after Rodman skipped the practice to go beyond Nitro that led up to this bash on the beach. Uh, 
Rodman skips that practice game four, the next game. Rodman plays almost 30 minutes, has a team high 14 rebounds, seven of them offensive, six points all on free throws, including four free throws that iced the game. Two assists, three fouls. That 14 rebounds from Dennis were the highest rebound total of that finals from either team. So in this moment where he skips practice and everybody's questioning, is this guy engaged? He ends up having maybe the best game of his finals uh, that year, uh, the the day after he skips town to go uh, bash DDP with a steel chair. That's amazing. Well, when, when, you, when you're sitting on a leather couch with Hulk Hogan in a vignette, you're just... <laughs> You're just uh, reaping the, the the Hulkamania, uh, the vibes. So that I, I attribute that to um, being in close proximity to Hulk Hogan. Yeah, it's the power of Hulkamania for sure. It's immortal. Carl Malone wrestling as well. A lot of people leverage this type of thing against Shaq. They said Shaq was making movies. He's making rap albums. He's not concentrating on playing basketball. Carl Malone, the next season after this match, again, 98, summer 98, in July, I think it was Bash at the Beach. The next season, 98-99 NBA season, Carl Malone wins the MVP. How's that for a goddamn analytics? The guy, is there any chance he's not concentrating on, on basketball because he's wrestling? He goes and wins the MVP award. Before we move on, Peter, uh, I mentioned Shaq rapping. What is the best Shaquille O'Neal song? Um, I think the best Shaquille O'Neal song is uh, No Love Lost with no, that's uh, wrong. Lord I'm Tariq sorry. and nope. Jay-Z. Nope, I'm sorry. It's straight plan. Do you remember this he song? He was ready. This song is so good. Hold on. Give it a second. Come on. Come on. I haven't heard Shaq very yet. Flat at this. No, no, I'm not even going to let it get to Shaq. Because <laughs> the best part is this right now. What's going on? I like that. That, like, Zap and Roger thing that they're doing. I don't hate it. Yes. That's a cosign from Peter. Right, what about Foo Schnickens? True. What? I am a true Foo Schnick. That was Shaq, right? Shaq was in. Shaq was on uh, a few records with Foo Schnickens. That there is, you go. That's correct. Big Foo Schnickens guy over <laughs> well, here. He was Shaq Fu. That's how he became Shaq. That's yeah, right. I'm probably that's the right. biggest Foo Schnickens guy you know. Yeah, yeah, you're up there. I mean, you named one of their songs. <laughs> The next credential is our eye test. What did you guys see in this moment? What did you see on the tape? What did you see in the video Come on. that might get that might help put this moment into the first ballot hall of fame? I have some things I want to pitch you right out of the gate, and I want to hear any ideas you guys might have. Dennis Rodman wrestles. He's wearing a nose ring, a lip ring, and three earrings, and he just goes with it. Is that like? Can you wrestle in facial jewelry? I can't say that I've seen it. Besides this, have we, Andrew? I feel like any- uh, Shannon Moore, you know. Did Shannon Moore do it? I, I feel like there's been, I, I know AEW's done an angle where they ripped a nose ring out. They did, they did. That is a thing. Legit? Yeah, yeah like uh, Darby Allen, they ripped it, they ripped it out and then it, ble- you know, it bleeds. It's not <laughs> recommended, but I think if you have like a, uh, like a lip ring or whatever, but Rodman was fully um, pierced. It's not recommended, but he's not taking a lot of major right. bumps, so I don't right. know that uh, it's that prohibitive. Yeah, it, that that is true. There's not that much to worry about with it, but there's so much. There are so many other things to worry about in this match. <laughs> I have I have some observations, but continue, Neil. 
Yeah, do you, want, you sure you want to just skip to the end when I tell you that it's not in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. Now I'm pitching you. The okay. what about the matching pants? Is there a, a DDP and Carmelo are in matching pants? Okay. Who decides a wardrobe I thing was like that? Bring Is there this a up. chance they get together and go? We should do matching pants because that would fill my heart. This is this is what I was going to bring up. Is usually when you get an outsider in right. the wrestling ring, they wear jeans, they wear right. some sort of like in between regular right. workman gear and right. wrestling gear. No, Carl right. Malone was like, I want purple yes. bell bottoms, <laughs> yeah. purple shimmering bell bottoms, and that's what he wore. It's very rare. It's very rare that the outsider comes and and wears anything but like jeans and a muscle shirt, and mm. and so. Um, like I said, very rare. Uh, I I would think because DDP, uh, apparently the story is, is that it was supposed to be Macho Man, but because DDP is the one who sort of brought Rodman to the table, DDP was like, you don't get Rodman unless I'm in the match. Right. Um, and so I think DDP is, Peter can attest, is known for being meticulous. He wrote down, you know, he wrote out all of his matches on yellow legal pads, move mm. for move, uh, facial reaction for mm. facial reaction. And I bet he got with Carl and was like, yo, we're going to be coordinated. We're going to look like a wrestling it. team. We're not going to look like Jay Leno. <laughs> yeah, I and, and it, it. Is, it is just a generally good babyface tag team thing to do to have matching right. gear. We got yeah. it. So, yeah, and I, I'm sure that was a DD, DDP operation. I mean, listen, it's possible that there were people there who also suggested it. But, yeah, it was probably DDP. This is this it. was such a huge this is the biggest opportunity of DDP's life. A guy who stumbled into this thing so late and right. really like his, his whole career is kind of a dream. Right. And it's like a fever dream. And this must have been he must have just known, like, I'm never going to have more eyeballs on me ever again in my entire life right. than this moment. We're going to do it right. The next credential, our ear test. What did we hear in this moment? I want to play you guys a clip. Let's listen to this together. Here we go. And now a chokehold. I should set it up. It's, you know, uh, uh, Hogan's choking. Uh, <laughs> uh, new with this. Hogan's choking uh, Carl Malone. Here we go. And now a chokehold. Carl Malone, we're Stockton when you need him. Bobby the Brain Heenan, the best to ever do it. The best to ever do it. Yes, uh, not even a question about it. I defer it for, to Peter. Yeah, we 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 both of us will say there's no one better. Oh, he, not only put? the best, not only to me, not only is Bobby the Brain Heenan the best uh, commentator ever. I, to, I I actually probably have him as a top five or ten just talent in the business. Like, you, I think you want to put somebody great. in the Hall Completely of Fame. Agree. Yeah. Bobby the Brain Heenan, there's about a thousand moments you could have chosen. And, oh and, and, and and one of the under sort of rated parts of his career is the WCW run, mm. you know, most notably because he sort of just slowly becomes a babyface. Like he's right. not Bobby the Brain Heenan as he was because at all. Because he he's hated like, watching everything that was happening around him. So he became the voice of all of us. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And it was very interesting. And I, and I loved like him. I loved Hogan. Hogan turning heel worked with Bobby being a baby face, even though Bobby hated him when he was yeah. a heel. They could but never he be on the say, same see, side. I, yeah, they can't be on the same side. He's like, see, I told you so. He's a piece of garbage. But now Bobby's the good guy. You really do take for granted. Bobby the Brain Heenan is, was the ultimate nemesis of Hulk Hogan. And then you, it's so funny that eventually they're in exact reverse spots all those years later That's in great. WCW. Um, Amazing. I, are you... Um, I thought you were going to play the crowd reaction because one of the things I did read is, I mean, the crowd pops are some of the biggest ever in WCW history. 
it's all arbitrary. It's it, you know, it's crowd noise. You 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 can judge for yourself. But I mean, they're pretty epic. He got pro or pro or con because I heard some booze in that match as well. Sure, I mean he, they're playing the part, but I think he's getting a reaction. I see, which is the name of the game. No, I have I I only pulled in terms of clips. I only pulled Bobby the yeah. Rain no, lines. Cool. Here's here's he's another one. Rodman hit very very hard that time. Staggered on back, and I think really almost did he hit a cameraman or some of the media with the back of his head that time? Not the first time he's hit a cameraman. She's <laughs> just so good. What is his background? Is he like a comedian? He is so good. No, Bob, Bobby's a wrestler uh, through and through. God, damn. Um, he, he he was from the Midwest, from Minneapolis, and just became a got involved in the wrestling business. Became a wrestler, became a manager. <laughs> always thought of himself as you know, kind of more of an entertainer. And but a, I know, but a, a wit sharp enough to certainly, For if, sure. if he chose another line of work. For sure. It, a real blessing to have a guy like that on a moment. I mean, you watch the Tuesday Night Titans and all of that, that era of WWE sort of trying talk show formats. Mm-hmm. And Bobby is, is I mean, timing-wise, very similar to Carson. Uh, completely agree. Completely agree. He has that pedigree. It, to me, he's, he's like up in that Vince Scully territory, uh, as good as it gets. Uh, the next credential, you mad... Anybody mad in this moment? I love it when somebody's pissed off. Rob, play my camera on clip here. Thank you so much. Anybody pissed off? Yeah, let me play you another moment. I, I heard this in the WWE Untold documentary uh, now on Peacock TV. Go download it on your Peacock app. Peacock, give me some money. Let's listen to this together. You spit at DDP at one point. Was that something that you guys talked about? No. No, because DDP, he... It, 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 the EP was like a little selfish for a minute. He'll sit there and hit me for real. I mean, literally hit me for real. Dennis spat at DDP, and DDP spits at him right back. Middle of this match, I like that there's something there. I don't know what it is. Are you guys really mad at each other? To spit on another human being, and that's not been cleared? Something's going on, and I, I just appreciate that someone's a little bent out of shape. I love it when people are pissed. I'm a little afraid of Rodman spit considering <laughs> his, uh, there was a lot going on there. Yeah. There's a lot happening there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get caught up in the heat of it. Uh, Rodman's certainly not a professional, um, in terms of like wrestling protocol. So I'm not surprised. He's like, Got- Oh, I'll, I'll yes. And his, uh, jaw right. jacking at me and I'll spit at him. It's like, it makes sense that his, he would have gone there wild to do that when it's not been cleared um to another man anyways the next credential we're going to spend some time here the x factor okay. uh everybody knows what an x factor is the, to me skipping the practice here is the huge x factor this moment had dennis rodman quitting on his team for a day during the nba finals it, that's almost like too good to be true to me i learned about dennis skipping practice by watching the last dance like everybody else uh, you would have had to read newspapers back then. Nobody's reading newspapers back then. I learned about it on uh, by watching Last Dance. I didn't realize where this skipped practice fell. I didn't understand the timeline. But as I start piecing this together, I realize Jazz win game one. Bulls win game two and three. They're up 2-1. Rodman takes off, skips practice to go be on Nitro. He's hitting DDP with a steel chair. And now I start doing more research on this episode, and I hear a very interesting quote from Eric Bischoff. Let's listen to that. I knew I couldn't 
talk to Dennis and Carl about doing anything on court during play that would help promote WCW. But there was probably a conversation or two, wink, wink, where someone may have said, hey guys, if you get the opportunity off court during a stoppage in play or during a timeout, do you have any kind of animated conversation between the two of you if you get my drift? Uh, that would only help. Did either of you know about this? Is it, I mean, is he implying that uh, Rodman skipping practice was his way of promoting Bash at the Beach? I think what he's saying is, is he told, and my guess is he told Rodman there as, as Rodman skips practice, goes to Nitro's with Bischoff. My gut tells me he tells Rodman there. If during a game yeah. without interrupting play, you can trump this up and play it up in the game, in the NBA finals and help it build up our storyline. But nothing I ultimately happened. Saying. Like we right, don't, do they have we don't have an elbow or a crotch shot well, or something. Well, let me here we or, go. Okay. I start watching things with the express purpose of looking sure. for things that might be exaggerated. Okay. Game 5, Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman get tangled up, they get hit with texts. And then in game 6 with the largest audience watching, these two really ramp it up. I remember there's a very famous moment where Malone and Rodman get tangled up, they're trying to run up court and they keep running into each other they keep tripping each other and then there's a moment afterwards where they're like smacking each other i remember and that yep that i'm like where was that where i, I was like scrambling going, where did that happen that happened in yeah. game six yep that I moment it, yeah. now i if you re-watch it now with after hearing that bischoff moment you go wait a minute are they doing this on purpose so i uh, two things mate i think like okay maybe but then also i think bischoff's full of shit Wait, just, hold on. Let me play these for you. Watch this. Let's see if we can watch this together. You watch Malone and Rodman battling under the boards. Malone's going all out as he runs the floor. They both kick each other a little bit. There's one. Here's another one. Watch the byplay here between Malone and Rodman. A sign of respect, actually, it appeared to me. They, they're doing that thing where they're each trying to hit the person to be the last one to hit the person. I'm watching all these things and going, is this like sort of like playful, like I'm going to get you, I'm kicking at you, I'm slapping at you. Is this normal? This, this, this uh, okay, so there's two things that happen in this sequence. One, they clearly have a moment where you see them dapping each other up and smacking each other on the butt, right? Right. Then they have a few minutes later this running down the court tangle thing. Yes. Which, truth be told, I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like it. Like, I, I don't, that's what I'm saying. Andrew, if you go watch it, I'll send you the clip. If you watch this, they literally tangle up and fall with each other for 15 seconds. Like, it is it is so clearly a thing. And yeah. then they jaw jack and dap each other up again. And then at the end, at the end, Rodman goes over and smacks Malone on the butt. And then Malone smacks Rodman on the butt. And Rodman turns around and does like a coy, like, ooh, you hit me on the ass thing to, in the middle of a finals so, game. Game six. I think context is important. I think the it was a much less, I would say, savvy, wrestling savvy world. So I think today, obviously, the announcer, ESPN, the announcers, everybody would have been going crazy oh, about the fact that yes. Rodman missed practice for a wrestling thing and that Malone is on the card. I don't think they made any mention of it. I would venture to say the announcers in in whatever year it was. So I think 
um, they're doing it because the seed was planted in their head and they're being, you know, savvy businessmen. But I think without the part of the announcers sort of playing it up, it just happens. And if you get it, you get it. And if you miss it, you miss it. Also, Malone's not announced yet for Bash of the He's Beach not. at this point, okay. right? Yeah. I don't so, think. Right. I is think, that right, Neil? No, I think he has been. You think he's already because this is a month earlier. They already know I know that Rodman's showing up, but like is has has Carl Malone appeared yet, or does that appear a couple weeks later? Let me play uh let me play another clip for you. Here okay. is that moment, so that prepared. famous moment. I'm gonna play it for you. This guy's you very right professional. Now. It's unbelievable. Four seconds to shoot. Jordan missed it just before the shot clock sounds. Rodman battling like crazy, but can't quite hold on to it. Hornacek, he and Malone, Rodman and Malone, and Rodman just trips Malone up. they got to call a flagrant here. They've got to call a flagrant. He and Carl Malone, regrettably, are scheduled to wrestle in one of those bogus events regrettably. next month. Why Malone wants to lower himself to that is anyone's guess. Get out of here, Bob Costas. to start the wrestling now. Okay, so I so you pre- yeah okay that's great. So okay, so let's so we've got I the so. Costas ramping this up. You, you know, regrettably, got to call a flagrant foul. I part of my brain is still going. They wouldn't do this in an NBA Finals game, Game Six, which ended up being the closing game by the by. Part of me is going. Maybe this is just like this isn't the this isn't the first power forward that Rodman's gotten into it with. So I keep watching the game. Here's another clip that might be the most telling. Let's watch this together. This is Carl Malone, his patented post-up jump shot. Watch what he does right after he makes the basket. Malone tries to answer and can, and he has 20. A Jordan Malone duel shaping up in game six. Carl Malone runs right up the court and does the fucking diamond cutter symbol. All right. Well, I think that's your proof. But again, it's such a not a wrestling savvy world. In 2023, all of this would have literally would have been the biggest story in the history of sports. But that's what makes this so much cooler. The fact that they knew it's that people, would, they're, they're actually, well, they're actually planting a seed for not yes. liking each other. Yes. They're actually working. That's legit. They're yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's great. And what happened? So this is, again, I, I don't, I feel like I've, I've made good headway here, but the Bulls win the championship. Jordan gets the layup. He steals it from Malone. He comes down, hits that iconic last second shot for the Bulls in Utah. John Stockton, noted racist, ends up missing the game winner. What does Dennis Rodman do right after the Bulls win the championship? Rodman does the suck it. I'm playing these clips for Peter and Andrew, but if you haven't seen them, go to our socials at first ballot HOF on Instagram at first ballot pod on Twitter. I realize those should be the same. Go watch the clips of these moments that we're playing here that we're talking about because I think the evidence is there. It's not just normal basketball. These guys are working. There's something going on. Yeah, no, they they definitely appear to be. I don't know why, but Dennis just put over WWE in that. Yeah, moment, I think he's. Still. <laughs> I think he's clearly influenced by wrestling at this point in his life. Um, you, I mean, you make a strong case. Uh, the only case I was going to make is that he. I mean, he has a, a beautiful arm drag in the match. 
He does. Yeah. <laughs> and for that reason alone, he's like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. No, all I want to say is that um, just thinking about, you think about Rodman and the cross-genre po- like notability of him at the time. Right. right. Like I, we're, we're on the heels of uh, Bad Bunny, most yes. likely the greatest out, outsider wrestling performance of all time, just at Backlash in Puerto Rico just this past weekend. And I'm, I was thinking like, is Rodman in the 90s on the global level of notoriety that Bad Bunny is? Like, I, I mean, I would defer to Peter. Like, where are the, I feel like it's kind of equal because there's nobody that gets to the level of what Bad Bunny is right now. It, it, you go Tyson, Rodman, Bad Bunny, right? Yeah, I, I think I think it would. Oh, I, oh, it's really and they even got I, Tyson late. No, but Tyson was still Tyson is still the biggest mm. eyeball grabber they've ever yeah. had. Yeah. Bad Bunny has the best actual physical involvement we've right. ever seen. His right. commitment to it plus his fame. But Rodman was culturally, I mean, huge. Our parents, huge. all of our parents knew who Rodman that's, was whether they watched basketball or not. That's yes. the criteria is that he's not just somebody that the kids know or the young adults know, but like your parents just name recognition. Dennis Rodman, I think, is is on the Rushmore of outsiders who have stepped into the ring. And so it's almost like regardless of his performance, you kind of have to give it to him. Uh, and, and then the proof is in the pudding in terms of the, the pay-per-view selling and being the number two all-time you know, box office for WCW. Well, let's get to it. It's the cosign. The floor is yours, gentlemen. Does this moment belong in the first ballot Hall of Fame and why? I'm going to say yes because because of what I because of what we just sort of hashed out, which is at the time in the moment, Dennis Rodman's uh, Q rating in terms of being in a wrestling angle, the integration into the NBA final. I mean, it's 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 not even the finals, but it's like Draymond if if in the middle of Lakers Warriors, you know, right. Draymond and and Anthony Davis are are having a wrestling match at Backlash. It's, or, or except like, except Malone and Rodman are so much bigger than Draymond. Ma- and exactly, Davis. Yes. Malone's a top fifty all time. Like that's sure. the other, like, and nobody even talks about Carl Malone. They all talk about Rodman. Right. Malone's top fifty. He's not getting yeah. bumped out of the top fifty anytime and now soon. Top, and now top fifty worst uh, humans yeah. to ever play in the NBA. Him and Stockton, <laughs> the greatest pick and roll combination of all time, yeah. and they're both awful human beings. So um, I think just for the moment in time, and and what Rodman did, and like you just go through each of his his uh, cameos in WCW, it's incredible. He's sitting there on a leather couch with Bret Hart, who's miserable. And Hulk Hogan and a bunch of like hired models and Bischoff. And then he wrestles and he's hitting a steel chair. He's doing an arm drag. And uh, then they get Jay Leno. It's just, they go on the Tonight Show. Amazing. It was very before their time. Yes. And for I just think Rodman's level in the moment at the time for WCW being the number two banana to pull this off in the middle of the NBA finals. And then all these years later, it become culturally relevant again because of the documentary. And then everybody realizes, Oh, he missed practice yes, right. in the middle of the finals Crazy. to go to nitro. <laughs> like I mean, the rock didn't even show up at WrestleMania because he had commitments on his film. Right. His film that he decides everything. Right. 
you know, and here's Rodman being like, guys, I'll see you later. Like I could, Joel Embiid, if he did that, Philadelphia would burn to the ground. So for that reason, I say yes. <laughs> Peter, you tipped your hand earlier. You're not a giant fan of the actual match, but is this moment enough? Have, I, have we talked about enough to put this thing in the first bell hall thing? Uh, I'm going to argue no, just to, to make things interesting. Uh, I certainly <laughs> see the argument as to why it would be yes, but the pr- promotionally it's insane. The, the the level of mainstream coverage and notoriety got is awesome, but I ultimately look at it for I have to include the match. Got the it. match is entirely too long. I appreciate it's, this. It's really ugly. Yeah. I mean, most of it is just repugnant. Um, <laughs> you know, the best I guess the best wrestler at that stage of their career in the match to me is is it's Hogan or Page, obviously. Hogan is still pretty good, but still, like, listen, it doesn't have a lot left in the tank. DDP is a really, you know, DDP is a good wrestler, but Andrew, I think we could agree that as much as we love DDP and the Diamond Cutter's awesome, he's still clunky. You know, he's not a, he's, he's obviously not like, it's not the sweetest of the science. I'll, let me say that. So you take that, they're the two wrestlers, and then they have the two other guys who don't know what the hell they're doing. Some disgusting clotheslines. He's right. Andrew's right. One good arm drag, maybe two good arm drags even. <laughs> um, but besides that, the match kind of is a wonky WCW. Body slams. Yeah, a lot of lot of body slams. It was a lot of and, day one at the wrestling academy. For yeah, it, no, exactly. <laughs> Literally, like, like the three of us could show up in Florida and do this match within two days. And there's a lot of that there. So uh, while I appreciate that Rodman was willing to skip the finals to uh, practice to be there, I wish he would have spent like three more days learning to wrestle. I mean, Bad Bunny looks like a five-star match wrestler next to these guys. Um, so yeah, Paul, I'm going to say thing. I'm going to say no. Yeah, that, not not enough. Okay, it's time for the induction speech. That's when I, Neil, get to decide this thing. Listen, two very esteemed guests. I'm going to take what they said into account, but ultimately this is my Hall of Fame. I'm going to make the decision here. I've got two things I want to talk about. The first sentence that I'm going to read you is, Dennis Rodman skipped practice before an NBA Finals game to go hit a guy with a steel chair. That sentence alone, to me, has a real chance of making the first ballot Hall of Fame if nothing else gets considered. If that's not enough for you, consider this. How about what you're watching, what you knew to be true, has maybe completely transformed in this moment? Eric Bischoff, a professional wrestling booker and producer, got two very, very high-profile NBA players from rival teams. Those they, the Jazz Bulls had played each other two years in a row, got two guys that guard each other on those two teams to buy in and work a storyline into an NBA Finals closing game. Here's Bischoff's closing words on what he accomplished. As a wrestling producer, to be able to create a moment, however um, subtly I, I did that and communicated it, to be able to create a moment that played out on a platform so huge as the NBA playoffs was really satisfying. Bischoff is like the loan shark who got to the college kid and made them point shave. The integrity of the NBA Finals, Michael Jordan's sixth championship, the last shot in Utah as a Chicago Bull. As far as I'm concerned, I think you could make a pretty convincing argument that we have to call into the question the validity of those moments because Carl Malone is clearly doing something other than competing, just competing at basketball. 
They are embroiled in something else. Are Is Carl Malone 100% there if he's throwing up the diamond cutter in the middle of the second quarter? For that reason and many more, of course this is in the first ballot Hall of Fame. Peter Rosenberg, Andrew Goldstein, Dennis Rodman, Carl Malone, Eric Bischoff, Diamond Dallas Page, and the noted racist Hulk Hogan. Congratulations. This moment, the 98 Bash at the Beach, it's in the first ballot Hall of Fame. I want the last word to, to Neil's first point. It'll never be duplicated. I completely agree. Something, that is true. What what Bischoff and the, those guys pulled off will never be duplicated. We'll never see Ugh. LeBron and uh, right. PJ Tucker in a WWE <laughs> ring. But hopefully we'll bas- see them in the basketball finals. Court. Not PJ. Not PJ Tucker. We'll see. Come on, please give <laughs> this to you. me, Peter. I need it. All thank right, you, thank you both so much for being on the show. Plug what you're working on. How can people follow you? I'm on Twitter at Angold. It's a dying platform, but A N G E G O L D. I love both of you very much. Uh, I any Same. any reason I get to hang out with either of you is a joy and a privilege. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, if you like nerdy wrestling talk, go listen to the <laughs> Cheap Heat podcast. It's part of the Ringer Wrestling Show. Wherever you find podcasts, twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. That was fun, Neil. Thanks, dude. Thank you. Thank you so much. Peace, guys. That's it. That's the show. Our first show on the Ball is Life podcast network. I hope you enjoyed it. My thanks to Mr. Peter Rosenberg and Mr. Andrew Goldstein. Support both of them. We're all we got. I appreciate you both for being on the show. Credits. The show is edited by my guy, Rob Babarucci. The show is produced by Jessica Sang. The beats are made by Rhythm J. Follow him on social at Rhythm J. Subscribe to the show. We have lots of great episodes. We had Marshawn Lynch on to talk about the Beastquake. We had Roy Wood Jr. to talk about Carl Lewis's national anthem. Plenty of NBA moments. King Josiah Johnson talked about Draymond Green shit talking Paul Pierce. Dragonfly Jones came on to talk about Damian Lillard's wave and LeBron's runner against the Raptors. All great episodes. My shout out today goes to Mr. David Estramskis, who has supported us from the beginning. So happy to be formally working with you now. And thanks to Mr. Matt Rodriguez for blessing us with that ball is life chain. It feels good to be part of the family. Rate and review us if you would. We're a small team. We need your help. And please come back next week for more First Ballot. This guy's very professional. It's unbelievable.